You're listening to the Per Service Podcast, episode number 27. On the show today, we're diving into the topic of finding the courage to change your life. It takes tremendous amount of courage to take a big audition or ask a teacher for a trial lesson or really to put anything out into the world with your name on it. And the thing is, great things are waiting for you on the other side of your fear, your anxiety, or your insecurities. So how do we get this courage to stand up and ask for what we want or dare to change the world? Sometimes we're not even aware that the smallest actions, like just picking up your instrument every day, takes a lot of courage too. And in fact, they're not really that much different. So, I invite you to join us for our discussion today because you were made to do something great, to make something beautiful, and to have the courage to make a difference. Well, this is the Per Service Podcast. We exist here as a podcast to encourage and inspire classical musicians one service at a time. I'm Michael Giblin. I'm a violinist. I was a member of the Memphis Symphony Orchestra for a while. I subbed with the Nashville Symphony and the recording industry there as well. And I created orchestraexcerpts.com, a resource that helps musicians learn excerpts for orchestra auditions. And also this podcast to talk about life as a freelance musician, because it's tough. And and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Anna Luce, a violinist in New York, who you find playing the hottest show on Broadway now, Jessica Wiersma, one of the top subs in the Indianapolis Symphony, Christian Marshall, a violist living in Graz, Austria, who performs all over the country with various ensembles, most of which I can't even pronounce, so I'm not going to try. And these three people are some of my closest friends, and we strive to talk about these deep issues related to being a musician, but in a fun, encouraging, and and authentic way. But like most people, we have days where we're not feeling great also. And today was just one of those days. Jess, for one, was battling a head cold, and the rest of us were kind of feeling the weight of some of the uncertainty in our lives, especially coming up this summer. And so, like the good chamber musicians that we are, we sort of all adopted a different tone in this episode in consideration that Jess wasn't feeling 100%. In some ways, Jess really demonstrates one of the best lessons from this episode, and that is the courage to show up and put yourself out there, even when you'd rather just go back to bed. So thank you, Jess, for fighting through. The last thing I have to say is that we are very appreciative of Fix Music Publishing for covering the cost of hosting this podcast. Fix Music is a solution that I really wish existed back when I was in school and was buying sheet music left and right, because finding great editions of sheet music has never been easier or faster than by visiting fixmusic.com. You don't really even have to be that old to remember how bad finding sheet music used to be. There's a publisher, I'm pretty sure... In 2017, people, it still prints out and mails this booklet with like thousands of titles all in this like tiny print. You have to write down the SKU and then call them and wait for a customer service rep and tell them the like nine digit SKU that you just wrote down. It's absolutely barbaric. So Fix Music is just so far ahead of that. They are leading the way to quickly and affordably get great sheet music. 
They currently stock violin, piano, and chamber music options, but if you play a different instrument and you're looking for something you can't find, just ask, and I'm pretty sure they can find it for you. And as a special thank you to our listeners, if you use the promo code PERSERVICE at checkout, you can get 10% off your order. So visit fixmusic.com. That's F-I-C-K-S music.com. All right, here is the show. The thing that's tricky about this topic and why we're all like, "Eh, okay, I don't think musicians spend a lot of time analyzing the amount of courage that we need because so many situations that we've been put in, at least the way I see it, it's just like, you just have to have it. You just have to do it or you can't be a musician. So a lot of that is just like, you have to naturally sum up the courage for so many situations in music. And we don't, I like never analyze it. Like there are times like with the obvious, like with auditions and stuff where, you know, you have to psych yourself out and be like, I can do this. I am brave. I will conquer my fears. Or as I often do self-sabotage instead, but you know, it's complicated. I don't think it's something that we're used to discussing. But even with the self-sabotage, like like you take the audition yeah, so and like, still I have courage feel involved. like <laughs> turning up. Yeah. I feel like turning up to them. And I, I, I say this because, and this is like not an attack on anyone a month ago. The lady who does the scheduling for the auditions here, she's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed because I have scheduled 200 people and I still have a hundred more people to schedule. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And they've had two days of auditions now and they've had 25 people show up. So like a lot of people canceled. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is like a lot of people, like unless in the next two days, they're going to hear 150 people. Like I don't understand. Yeah. Sometimes I think just the act of showing up is just like a big deal. Showing up, but also seeing things through. I think that's also one of those things where it's like we talk ourselves out of needing courage all the way at the end point by, yeah, even self-sabotaging just a quarter of the way through, getting too busy during preparation time for an audition. You're like, oh, well, I'm not really ready anyway. That sort of thing. Right. I think in my case, oftentimes that stems from fear of the courage I need at the end when it all comes to a point and it's like, okay, now it's showtime to avoid that. I'd rather let myself have a back door by being too busy or finding something else to do. Right. You have that excuse if you don't win. It's like, oh, well, it was because I wasn't prepared. It's fine. Like, yeah. But I'm, I am wondering just for my, my own sake, I'm curious if we can maybe like break down all the ways in which we need to have courage and like kind of organize it. Kind of like the idea of like a little courage map. Is it like a spectrum of courage or is it uh, a map? Yeah, just, you know, because for some people it takes courage to pick their instrument up and practice at all. Like I've had days like that and mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking to a friend recently. He's like, I just sometimes can't take my instrument out of the case. It's too much for me. Mm -hmm. At this point in our 30s, I feel like we've all been through a lot of emotionally traumatic and fearful experiences with music. And maybe that's why we don't want to talk about it, actually. The trauma factor. Well, yeah. Yes, that's like the smallest increment of courage, I think, to pick it up every day. But it adds every day that like every Mm -hmm. day you pick it up. It's like you're choosing to believe that by picking this up and practicing, I think that it's going to be worth it. Or like I think that I'm going to have a future doing this. Mm-hmm. I suppose, but that's that's also sort of, that seems counter, I don't know how to say it. You're committing a certain amount of time of your day slash life to practicing something 
that you will not get that time back. Like I've taken auditions before where I've shown up and, you know, it was just like not a good day and I just didn't play well. And then you're like, well, that was a waste of time. Like not just this, but maybe like was the whole preparation. And like, I think initially you feel like all the work I just put into this was a waste of time because I showed up and like didn't do well. Yeah. I mean, and then I, I try to console myself by saying all the like, well, I grew a lot from, from the experience and I, I'm so much better now. And, and like, that is true. It's nice to not feel like a slob on your instrument. I think that's true. But I think sometimes the initial reaction is, man, do I even want to invest the time in it today? Because no, yeah, and I think there are, but there are still days that I still pick up my instrument to practice because I want to play something or I want to learn something. Those don't happen all the time because trying to take auditions is, I think, then then that's really sort of the stakes are a lot higher, where it's not like, oh, I'm just having fun doing this, or like I just love hearing the sound of my instrument. It's like I really believe that like doing this is gonna make a difference every day that that little step of courage of just like opening the case and getting started has like such big implications but so maybe that's the smallest measure of courage it takes is there are you do you think of what's what would be the next one anna i don't know i am like stumped by this topic personally maybe it's hard the courage to have a good practice session because you can pick up your instrument and just kind of fiddle around on it <laughs> pun, pun intended, intended. Nah. Nah. Christian, what are you thinking over there? Well, you know what's funny uh, is that I need a lot of courage to still identify myself as a musician, specifically because I'm a freelancer and I'm 33 and have never had a full-time job. You know, it's fine. I think it was great during undergrad to be like, yeah, I'm a musician. And then during graduate school. Yeah, I'm a musician is fine. And then even the first couple of years after, but when you realize you kind of don't have, or you haven't had the dream career trajectory that you had wanted to have saying that you're a musician when everything that you have to show for it is just not so grand, that's hard. And so it's actually, it, I need a lot of personal courage and humility to still call myself a musician sometimes. Dude, I identify with that so much because I feel like the last, well, really since getting out of grad school, honestly, which was in 2011, I have had that struggle. Mm -hmm. Maybe somewhere along the way, I decided that being a real violinist meant, you know, practicing concertos and Paganini and Azai and like mastering those types of things and playing them all the time and giving recitals and being in impressive chamber groups or whatever. Somewhere I decided that that was what a violinist was. And my life has looked severely different than that after getting out of grad school. And also, you know, the period of sickness that I went through didn't help when I took like almost a whole year off of playing. But I've I've really struggled with that. And even now, even though I've had some great gigs this year, I don't really feel like I can call myself a violinist. And every once in a while, I think I like sit with myself and think about it. And I'm like, man, how did I get yeah, here? Totally. And what's happening? <laughs> and like, I am a vi like I play the violin and I play with some good groups, but like, what, what is that? I hear you on that. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's, it's hard to see what you're doing right now as courageous or being successful. But it's like sometimes just looking back, even if it's not a specific memory or something, just the fact that you've stuck with it and you've worked so hard for so long on something, I think could be considered 
courageous yeah. and yeah true i think part of it has morphed now into i don't know if i can call myself a violinist because i'm afraid that i'm not going to meet or i'm going to continue not to meet the standard that i set for myself and in that i lack the courage to face the fear of the future because you know for so long i put on myself i'm gonna be doing this by this age and that thing and like i think we all identify with that but then you know now it's like well i don't want to put anything on my future because it's not worked out so far, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting mind game and probably why a lot of us ignore it. I think we're all aware of the fear and maybe can acknowledge that we have courage in different aspects, but... For me, sometimes I think identifying the fears or I, sometimes it's easier to to identify the negative feelings or things that I don't like or things that I hate. Sometimes that's easier to identify than these positive feelings of like, oh, this is what I, this is where I want to go. This is my, the goal for my life. Sometimes it's just like, well, I hate this or I'm afraid that I'm going to be a failure. Like, what does that really mean? So that might be something to talk about. Like, Anna, what is it you say that you're afraid of? You said you're afraid of being a failure to the standard you kind of set or the ideal yeah, uh, yeah of what you had already set for yourself. Yeah. And I think it's kind of a theme in my life where I've always had expectations. And then like, I feel like my adulthood has been like dashing those and, and not that, I, not that that's always a bad thing. Sometimes you're line them up and knock them down. Sometimes you're surprised by how reality is better than your expectation. But I think becoming an adult is maybe more so <laughs> realizing how your expectations were really off base. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> If if you were even younger, somebody probably told you like, well, success is goals. Like you got to set goals for your life and work towards them, which is yeah, good. But sure. is there something, did, did that go wrong somewhere? I don't know that it necessarily went wrong. And maybe it's just a coming to terms with expectation. And I, or like Chris was saying, the ideal, like the violinist that I thought I should be or the label that I put on what being a violinist as a profession is. And so, yeah, what am I afraid of? I guess I'm afraid that I will dwindle into like being one of those people that's given up on their career and like doesn't try anymore as a musician. But I haven't let that happen so far. So why am I afraid of that? I don't know. But I have a question for you. Yeah. When you meet other people that identify themselves as a musician and you're like, cool, if they told you the same things that you're doing, mm-hmm. does that sentence make sense? Not really. Yeah, if, well, I know what you're saying. Yeah. If you met yourself and <laughs> you were like, oh, I do this, this and this, would you think that that person was not successful or that person was not a real violinist? Can we just say if you met somebody who was playing the, in the pit of Hamilton, Hamilton you'd be like... <laughs> that person's doing very well (laughs) i I guess what i'm saying is i think that i mean we have to we have we set very high standards for ourselves i think it's part of the personality that is attracted to this type of profession as well as the type of training we get you have to always be getting better right that's Mm -hmm. the goal so i think that we set these high standards for ourselves that we don't necessarily apply to everyone else Mm -hmm. if that makes sense um or maybe maybe we do but I feel like we are more forgiving with other people than we are with ourselves. I think you're right. And and it's interesting, too, because on one hand, I see some people who call themselves violinists. And I'm like, no, you don't <laughs> meet my standard, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's interesting no, how we're same. so capable of being judgmental of others. But some people don't have a whole lot of talent 
but they're like somehow making it and totally fine with themselves. So so I think it's like you said, personality thing. There's a general type of character that is drawn to this profession. And then within that, everyone is so different. And some people are totally fine with where they're at and feel feel very confident. And others are like me and I'm like, I don't know. Eh." But let's Mm -hmm. talk about someone else. I'm getting uncomfortable. All right. Christian, what are are you (laughs) afraid of? Uh, Many things. But what I was just thinking is there's this quote. It's by Curtis Sittenfeld. And she had written a post called 24 Things No One Tells You About Book Publishing. Towards the end, she says... It's okay to let your book be published if you can see its flaws, but don't know how to fix them. Don't let your book be published if it still contains flaws that are fixable, even if fixing them is a lot of work. And I think that same sort of thing can apply to being a musician where it's like, like Jess was saying, we set this incredibly high set of standards for ourselves. Basically perfection, because we all have our ideal of, you know, musicianship or our idol of, you know, the violin world or viola world or whatever. So we know how things should sound. And then it's almost impossible to be satisfied with anything that is not that. So rather it's either like we stay frustrated or we realize that we have to fix it. But at the same time, because we're creative in one millisecond, we can feel in our bodies and minds all of the hard work that it's going to take to clean up that passage or clean up that piece or get better at that one technique. And we're like, I can't, you know? So it's like, I think that's something that I'm a little bit afraid of is seeing flaws and knowing how to fix them and actually sticking to it, like putting in the hard work. Yeah. So I'm also then really afraid of seeing flaws in my playing or my writing and not knowing how to fix them and still being okay with that and being willing to show the world this is where I'm at at the moment. And one step I'm going to take towards that is next Sunday, uh, we're throwing a little house concert here. We're playing a quartet program of Mozart and Schulhof. And I haven't done something like this for a long time. And I just thought to myself, you know, actually, I want to show my friends that, like, I'm still playing. So that's just, I, I realized that I need to practice it. You know, I need to be okay with certain things where they stand. I know there's a lot of room for growth, but I have to start being willing to show it to the world. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing is that courage is carrying on even when you are scared or even performing even when you are nervous. Yeah, it's it's probably never going to be exactly perfect. And I think perfectionism probably could be five episodes in and of itself. But but basically, I think it's sort of hiding behind being a perfectionist is just a way of stalling. Like perfectionism sort of is fear in some ways of keeping you from performing or keeping you from sharing whatever you've been working on for so long. At some point, enough is enough and you have to, you know, the show must go on. If you guys are familiar with Brene Brown, she is a psychologist slash many other things. I can't remember. (laughs) She's a researcher storyteller, according to her TED talk, her famous TED talk on courage. So she wrote a book called Daring Greatly. And this is more about life and like becoming authentic and vulnerable in life. But one of her quotes that I think is very very apropos to the situation is daring greatly is being brave and afraid every minute of the day at the exact same time. 
And I feel like being brave doesn't necessarily mean you're also not feeling afraid. Right. You're not just blindly courageous. Like you have to accept the fear that most of us have there. I feel like there are some people out there that don't seem to have like performance fear. Maybe they have fears, but like you just, you meet them and you're like, there's no way. And I feel like I've even asked some people, I've been like, you seem fearless. Do you ever get nervous? And and there have been a few people that are like, no, it's like fine. And it's just a job to them. They just do their thing and maybe they're lying, but, <laughs> but you know, it's never just blind courage. It's always fear coming through the fear with the courage, getting things done. Well, no, it was, it's more just that taking those little steps, like Christian was saying, like he, he, like being okay with where you are right now um, and still presenting it to people, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be like, I'm a hundred percent okay with all of this. And I, I guess the point is, I don't think our f- actual feelings are going to necessarily always line up with what we're doing. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this little concert or whatever. That doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily be like feeling great about every second of it, <laughs> you know, beforehand, during and after. I don't think that's <laughs> what that means. Right. I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah. I think you just kind of like you pick a day and, you know, come hell or high water, you got to You got to do it. I, I think what you're saying is spot on that. It's like you don't all of a sudden feel the courage and then do it by doing it. You somehow found the courage and you you. Look, looking back, you're like, wow, how on earth did I get all that courage to do that? I was like, well, you didn't really have a choice. You were like, right. the recitals happening. So I got to do one it. One way or the yeah. other. Got to do it. Well, Brene Brown has another quote from her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. Courage is a habit, a virtue. You get it by courageous acts. It's like you learn to swim by swimming. You learn courage by couraging. <laughs> you learn courage by couraging. <laughs> you learn by couraging, yeah. you guys. Which is true. And that's why we never thought about it. Because we've just like pulled up our bootstrap yeah, or yeah. whatever. I'm I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. Anna, out. Did we, we forgot you know to say, true. and I'm Anna Luce. <laughs> and then, and then Anna you Luce. can't talk the rest of the podcast. And no, it's, you play Anna Luce. Anna Luce. Bye. I was gonna say, I've told you guys this before. This is why I'm doing diving. Because I get scared. Schulhofless. Every, you know time i have to jump from the 12 foot diving board a couple times a week every time and so by doing it i realized like okay this is something i can work on and in that way you know the adrenaline or the fear becomes tangible and it's something that you can practice multiple times and unfortunately you know performances are usually just once a day or once an evening and auditions or maybe you'll have a couple in one month but they're usually so spread out it's really difficult to train that muscle and that's why we talk a lot about audition simulation, you know, playing for friends or putting yourself in a nervous situation. And I, I think that's the reason is, is to really practice that muscle. To be courageous, you do need some sort of environment or fear factor that is is a little bit of a threat or a resistance, something that you have to go against. You know, if you're really at ease in your comfort zone, then there's probably not much courage that you're going to be exercising. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people don't take action to do something like to really better themselves is because they're not in an uncomfortable place or they're just like sort of accepting this is what life has given me and I can't do anything about it. And you know, it's fine. This is just, this is what people do. You just, you go to work and you don't, nobody, nobody really likes their job. So I'm just going to put up with it. And that's sad or there is sort of that negative 
feeling that I think sometimes can really spur you to action is if you really realize like, you know, I really hate doing this job and I really want to be doing, you know, my dream. And so I'm going to take a chance and, and, uh, risk not having as much money or, you know, looking like an idiot to my family because I had a really good job and now I don't know what the future has. And that's hard. You know, I think always think of the the story of like the crabs in the crab bucket. You know, as soon as one starts to try to get out, the other crabs will pull the other crab back down. It's really hard sometimes to, if you're in sort of a toxic environment where you're just supposed to, you know, keep your head down and go to work and don't ask any questions, you know, that doing something bold and doing something uh, risky it's not that they don't want you, but the, a lot of times they don't understand you. And sometimes that's enough to feel the opposite of feeling supported. <laughs> you feel feel like they're pulling you down. Yeah, but I think we even recognize that as musicians, or I can speak for myself, you know, when you see someone else who at one point was in a very similar situation as you, but they stuck it out or they did that, you know, the extra 10% of work and then got over the hurdle or got the position, you know, that they were going for won the audition. And it's that sort of thing where it's like, oh, someone who does have the courage to stick it through or make the change or drop out of the ensemble, that doesn't feel good. It's really difficult, I think, you know, to have um, authentic joy and happiness for that person at that moment, because it's a reflection of something that you gave up on or something that you didn't do. And I think more people than those who do are the ones that don't quit the steady job to go pursue their dreams. Those cases are few and far between. So when someone around them says like, oh, I think I'm going to give up this job because I really want to start this home business. It's like, ah, better make sure they don't do it because that's actually what I would have wanted to do. And yeah, it's, it's easy. It's really easy to criticize other people when you realize like, oh, they're actually living this dream that I once had. Yeah. I think it's like if you had really, you know, wanted to pursue something, whatever that would be, and didn't have the courage, and then someone comes along who is doing it, it's it's kind of like, uh, I don't think it's really just about the jealousy or the bitterness. It's it's stirring that dormant dream inside you, right? It's it's kind of resonating inside you, and it's like, ah, uh, this, is, this is still actually what I wanted, you know, or that's what I would have liked to have done. And I think that's that's difficult when when the dream kind of resonates through somebody else and you're like, ah, yeah. I'm curious. I want to ask you again about, um, about diving, how building that muscle of courage translates to other aspects of life. And I think it, it seems like it, it makes sense because it's in your best interest to really care about it and to get better at it. Because if you don't dive well, you're going to belly flop and that would be like really painful, like to hit the water. Like it's like you have to, I sort of what, I guess what I just thought of was there's this book um, by this guy. He gave a Ted talk about fear proofing your life or rejection proofing your life or something. And he did, he did all these stunts where he would go to a Krispy Kreme and ask them to make a donut in the shape of the Olympic rings. And like he, the point was he like, he wanted to get rejected. Mm -hmm. It sounds like a good idea. Like, Oh, you're just gonna, I'm going to set a hundred days in a row. I'm going to, set up ridiculous situations that I'm going to get rejected. And ironically, sometimes he didn't get rejected. I think like the very first one, the lady at Krispy Kreme actually made the donut for him. But I also think like, no, that's, that's dumb because you don't care about 
you know, if the Krispy Kreme lady can make you a donut, like that's a, like it's not supposed to happen. But I think when you, when you do something that you really care about or you like are really taking a risk, that's different. I think diving has that same sort of, um, consequence. If you, if you fail at diving, like it's really going to hurt. Yeah. And I think for me also what does it or, or what helps is, is really, yeah, that, that physical aspect, because I'm, I'm getting better at learning how to kind of recognize the physical signs, you know, shortness of breath or yeah, basically that's the one that comes like to mind the most is like my chest will get really tight and I won't want to breathe when I get up to the the top of the board. So like I'll take a couple deep breaths and then I'll only think about like f- the physical cues or words I tell myself, you know, jump tall or spin tight or or this sort of thing. And so I'm getting better now when I have to play something to really, you know, I'll tell myself like, you know, loose wrist or it, I don't know. I kind of, I'm getting better at being in the zone because my body recognizes the physical mm-hmm. cue of nervousness and is like, okay, time to buckle down mentally or time to do, to do this or that. And what's great is, you know, you can jump, uh, you know, 40 times in an hour and you won't ever do 40 auditions in an hour. Hopefully so, not, right, though. I was like, is there any situation where that would happen? Although it maybe would that like would the, help us win one, actually. If we did 40 in a row. 40 excerpts. Ah! Yeah. No, I think that's it's just maybe it's played out in other ways. It's helped me be a little bit better, I think, in my small talk with people, maybe initi- initiating small talk with people I don't know really well, or especially if they're colleagues of, or, you know, mutual friends of other people. And it's like, Oh, I don't know them so well, but I need to, you know, like chat them up in this situation. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's something else that it's, it's helped. Yeah. Me that in. makes sense. And also it's just not courage playing our instrument because I feel like too, just as a human being without the instrument in your hand, you need to be able to believe in yourself just as a person and like your social ability or like, say, yeah, like I'm cool to be around. Great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it's part of it you know you meet these awkward musicians and you're just like I don't really want to like I'm not going to hire that person mm-hmm. or work with them because they don't believe in themselves nobody you know people want right. to be around and that's and that was for me I I think the whole idea of why do we need courage is because of that sort of cheesy uh, hallmark quote or whatever that's like everything you want is on the other side of fear and the, <laughs> it's like oh, everything you want is on the or I feel like there's that should be the like caption of some uh Um, anyhow i do want to know i feel like you could tell us at least i feel like it had to be some sort of sexual no it's like the the that um the hope hose with the inspirational quote hope hose you know the hope hose instagram with the inspirational quote you know, somebody doing like a yoga pose. Ah, yeah, it's but just it's like, like a random quote. Yeah. Or, no, like literally, it's like, this is a picture of my butt with an inspirational quote. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, my favorite kind. Right. Yeah. You know, this, this makes sense. 700 <laughs> likes. That's what I was like. Are you sure? I'm going to put, I'm going to make my body into the violin like <laughs> that one. Stupid. Or <laughs> the butt cheeks are hanging out. That's going to be our claim to fame. Oh, disgusting. I'm going to use Jess's body. I hope she doesn't mind. It's she won't mind, right? <laughs> Could you get some the, the tattoo Sick. of the F-holes? On disgusting. Your... Sorry, what? So this, um, that quote about everything you want is on the other side of fear, for me, is 
happens a lot in sort of this freelancing and networking world that it's like, I don't naturally want to talk to people or get to know them. But if I somehow find the courage and actually start talking to people, usually people want to talk to you. They want to be friendly and they people may, want to make connections. That And that's what so much of the freelance world centers on is as soon as you meet somebody, especially if you're at a new gig, if you're even like, you know, at a music festival or something, we always talk about where are you from? Hey, do you know this guy? And it's, it's really sad when people are like, Oh, Hey, do you know this guy? And you're like, no, I didn't really talk to anybody in that orchestra. So many things after you, you know, somehow summon the courage and just like start doing it. Even if you're like terribly afraid of doing it, feels so much better after you've done it. And I don't know, there's just a lot of times there's this, the barrier of like, oh, I'm not social enough to go to that or I'm not daring enough or I'm, I'm not cool enough to go talk to those people. But I feel like in New York, in gig scenes, I'm pretty good at just like making small talk with people. Don't necessarily like it, but I feel like I've been, I feel like I can pride myself in that for the most part. But then I moved to New York. I've been here four years and I'm going to say this year's the first one that I feel comfortable doing that now because people are not nice in New York. Really? <laughs> like you try to make small talk in most of these gigs that gig settings that I was in, I would really try and they've got like their people. And and now I get it because we don't want new people in the scene. There's not mm. room for them. And so I now understand the lack of welcome in certain circles. And I will say it's like some of the bottom level gigs. Now I don't give a All crap right. anymore, but it is, it's like, that's I don't funny. think in, that's the norm in every other city though. In Nashville, I found like people were very warm and welcoming and maybe some of that is just like a little Southern hospitality, which is, which is funny because nobody in Nashville is actually from Nashville. They're right. all from the Midwest anyways. <laughs> <laughs> like literally I met more people from the Metro Detroit area in Nashville than I ever met when I was in Metro Detroit. <laughs> like I think yeah. one of the most scary things is playing for colleagues, especially colleagues that I want them to like how I play. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. It's not just like, Hey, I want to get better. It's like, I also want to impress you. Right. Because at this point it's, I mean, I do want to get better. Of course. Like that's why I'm playing kind of having like a lesson with them. Like, so I recently played for somebody who is just a phenomenal player. This person is also a colleague. And so I also didn't want them to be like, Ooh, yikes. Like you, we need to go to the personnel manager and be like, yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is just me. Maybe this is not real, but I do feel like there's extra layers of consequences added in situations like that because I don't want them to throw up in their mouth when they hear me play. I don't want, you know, like things like that. How, I guess, how do, you, how do you initiate the communication with them? Do you go up and talk to them in person or do you write an email? This took me a long time, but I finally just emailed him and asked if I could, yeah. if we could set something up. And, you know, I was even like, I know you're super busy. So like no pressure, like if it doesn't work out totally fine. And he responded within like three minutes. And I was like, yeah, how about this date and this time? And then when I played, like when we actually got together, like it was great. Take me back into the when you're you're writing an email. Are you like scared the whole time, or is it just like right when you're about to hit send? I mean, yeah. For me, it is. It's silly, but like pressing the send button, it it's like yikes! What did I just yeah. do? 
You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. There are even some auditions that I have that even when I'm just sending in my resume. Mm -hmm. But if they're for jobs that I would really want or... For me, that's like, this is the start of when my practicing gets real. Yeah. And maybe it's, you know, it's the realization of all of that kind of stuff. But there's sometimes like pressing that send button to be like, hey, would you take time out of your life so I could play for you? And it's somebody I very much respect as a musician and as a colleague. That was like very nerve wracking. Good, good job. Uh, we're all proud of Thanks. you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think that took a lot of courage. It did. To, to contact a colleague and... And also like somebody that you're con- going to continue to see on a daily basis. I think it's a little different, even if it's just like, oh, it's a one off with some big name teacher. But if it goes badly, like I'm just a number to him. He doesn't right. know me from. You know, well, and I think that's why colleagues are more stressful to me than one time deals or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like we talked about in the last episode, you know, ask and you will receive <laughs> because really if you if she didn't ask then mm-hmm. how's she gonna know and i feel like a lot of the fear you know jumping that fear hurdle in this respect is important because you know and mm-hmm. my example i guess is when i contacted the guy that i sub for on broadway now like we were on tour together and i was just like it's the last morning of tour gonna ask if i can take him to breakfast like broach this topic that nobody wants to talk about in new york which is how you sub on broadway and i was just like i'm just gonna do it I might like be throwing myself under the bus here and never get work again, but hopefully that's not the case. And I just like did it and it was totally fine. And I think that's, you know, the fear that we, and Jess and I love to talk about this, but we, I don't know, maybe there's a more eloquent (laughs) way to say it. In addition to our podcast? Oh, we talk like every, we talk every day. Don't worry about it. But... I, we, that's like friendship goal for me. I am so jealous of you guys. I love you guys. Oh uh, yeah, we guys, we're legit besties. <laughs> it ain't no it's joke. The best. Besties forever. Yeah. Um, no, it's just because but- because when we discuss sorry, I've been because like when we discuss stuff on Slack, Anna will be like, "Well, just can't that day." Just but, like, you know, <laughs> like just it's true. It's we do so know hard. each other's schedules pretty dearly. I, although, like when she's auditioning, just has, like a live stream of her life going on. <laughs> we had a couple of busy days where we didn't talk much. And I felt very disconnected. I know it's weird. <laughs> yeah. But what I will say right. is that we often discuss that we create what we fear the most. Oh, yeah. Which is something we're both trying to avoid because, you know, if you let fear rule your life, you will create situations that you are afraid of. It's just how it works. It's just science, people. It is science. It's psychology and other sciences. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking... Even the the quote you were talking about from our last episode about um, ask and you shall receive is the in the same uh, is it in the same verse seek seek and you will find uh-huh. ask and you receive seek and you will find so like seek and you will find is the part that it's like yeah if you are seeking you know examples of when you were courageous like you can find them and if you're seeking and if you're all if you're just looking for all the things to be worried about and all the things that could go wrong you're gonna find that you're gonna find all sorts of things that could keep you from experiencing this great high and and so Anna you so you took him out to lunch or breakfast and you asked him like how do I just like how does this thing start work? like yeah what is, the, what is etiquette like how do we how does this happen and what happened and he was like well I'm gonna get you some of my show and here's how it's gonna happen and he's here's what you need to be mindful of I was like okay so simple right? <laughs> okay isn't that amazing that it was like oh I wonder if I just ask 
the question. Somebody yeah. will. I mean, I will say that he did say that he would get me to sub for him previously, but it was late at night and I was like, maybe he was just joking. So I did have to check up on it. But um, yeah. yeah, I think it like the, I feel like the conclusion to all of this is that as musicians, we've been exercising our courage muscle for many years and that's not going to go away, but we can fine tune it and continue to just like be brave and conquering each new fear that comes and sometimes old fears, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a continuous cycle of courage. And honestly, I, I kind of well, just want to break. I think we all have this misconception that being brave is like a scene from Braveheart. We are like, yes, let's go. <laughs> you know, like that's like not... Yeah, you know, you don't. You no, know, that's not real. Usually, being brave means like you're peeing in your pants. You know, like yeah. Yeah. you don't have to <laughs> paint your face blue. And Christian, you have any final thoughts? No, but what I really do like from both of Jess and Anna's stories is that um, courage really changes the nature of the situation. It's a turning point where you know before she wasn't playing for a colleague, and after she was, and she got good advice you know, or asking the person about subbing before she wasn't subbing and afterwards she was. And it's really one of those things where it's like when you when you exercise courage, it allows you to be in a different state physically, mentally, and emotionally. And it's most often a state that you cannot transcend into without courage. That's something that that's really good to remember, like right before that difficult moment. Well, it's going to be different. Like I'm going to exercise this courage now and it's going to be different. I will have done. I will have performed this dive or I will have had a lesson with this person or I will have played this piece I'm now working on. You know, there's a change that's tangible. That's important not to forget. Did you give us a story, Michael? I don't know. I, I think for me, uh, just like a little short story is that Stunted. I yeah get really nervous. I think if I have to, sim- similar to like Jess, if I have to write an email to ask, ask for something, I can write the email. And then like the minute that it comes to, I have to push send, I just have this like total freak out and I like have to get up and walk around the house and be like, okay, you can do this. And which is dumb because all it takes then is just like tapping the mouse and be like, send. And one of the, one thing I did was I, you know, have always, you know, I always like the Tomastic in Feldstrings and, you know, and one day I just got in my head, I was like, you know, I really like there. And I wonder if they will sponsor me uh, because, and I think that I could provide a lot of value to them because I, you know, if I, I have the orchestra excerpts website and I'm doing this podcast and I make some various YouTube videos, like I think it would be a value to them if, uh, you know, I, if they would sponsor me or something. And so I wrote this email and I was like, just, it was just like all sorts of fear and insecurities about like, who do you think you are? You're some sort of imposter. You're not, you're not Joshua Bell. You're not, um, you know, somebody famous. And it was just like so scary to actually hit send. And literally like a couple hours later, they wrote back and we're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And I was like, and just like the, emotional high and just like total change in perspective after that got that email back was like just like so crazy you know i mean it was just like it was amazing and all all it took was writing an email and asking for something and so one of the things i just think about i hold that up as like as something to remember that is like there are lots of things that are super scary and you, you have to start doing it and just start 
even though you are afraid and pushing the button is the most panic inducing moment, but the immediate change, like I think what you're talking about Christian is so great. There's just like the, everything sort of changes and it doesn't always work out that way, but you are working that muscle. Even if you get a rejection, you're still building that muscle. Exactly. I mean, a rejection is also a change, right? Like there, there is a change. It's not always yeah. a change um, that's so enjoyable or positive, but mm-hmm. there is a change. So for me, I would, I, uh, I think just start, there's just this great quote about just making a start that I think is so great. It's, and it's called the, the magic, magic of, of making a start. start. This is a quote from W.H. Murray, the Scottish Himalayan expedition, quote, Concerning all acts of initiative and creation, there is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would not otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings and material assistance, which no man would have dreamed would have come his way. I have learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets, quote, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, magic, and power in it. Begin it now, unquote. That was the voice of Stephen Pressfield reading from his book, The War of Art. Yeah. That quote was inspirational. Yeah, so good, right? All right, guys. Well, I'm Michael O'Giblin. I'm Anna Luce. I'm Jessica Weersma. And I'm Christian Marshall. <laughs> Carriage. Awful. Well, that is our show, folks. So what is it that you need the courage to do? If you don't know what that is, is it easier to find the things that make you unhappy and work on changing that? What could you start doing today to start moving you in the direction that you need to go? Those are some of the things that I'm thinking about after listening to this episode again. And you can find all the links that we mentioned, including all those fabulous books by Brene Brown and Stephen Pressfield in our show notes page, which is www.herservice.co slash 27, like the numbers. And now I have a favor to ask. If you enjoy our show, there are two things you could do that would really help us out. The first is to leave us a review in iTunes. Just search for our show in iTunes and click write a review. Like this amazing review that just came in from Jesus Christ Rocks My World, who wrote, This group of musicians is amazing. I love their insight and advice. They've been there, done that, and are ready to share. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Jesus Christ Rocks My World. Uh, That is so encouraging to hear. And also, what an amazing username. Who's in the house? JC. All right. And secondly, would you help us spread the word about our show by mentioning it to someone at your gig? You don't have to try to sell it to them. It could just be a way to practice a small act of courage and help you initiate a conversation with the musicians around you. Just like as you're taking your earbuds out, say, oh, hey, how are you? I'm good, good, good. Oh, I was just listening to the Per Service podcast. Have you heard it? Yeah, it, it's pretty funny. You know, the host is pretty cute and funny and tall. And, you know, I mean, you can take it from there, okay? But it's a win-win for both of us. 
And you can follow along with us throughout the week on Instagram. We are at Per Service Podcast. We greatly appreciate the support from Siri Bloom, Kathleen Lavengood, Sarah Lee, and Anne Brueggemann for supporting our show on Patreon. May you be proud of the work you do, the person you are, and the difference that you make. And if you would like to join the community of supporters, head over to perservice.co slash patron or just search for our show on patreon.com because with your financial support, we can make the show better more often and reach more people. And lastly, I leave you with these words of wisdom by Marianne Radmacher who says, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. Well, we'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, be well and practice well.